0: Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Once again, a pleasure to be joined in studio by our friend Adam Fisher. You see him on Baseball Night in New York. As a matter of fact, you were just there, right? Uh, I was, yeah. Over at uh, SNY and uh, made the journey over here to hang out in studio with us for the next hour. Adam, if you don't know by now, was a former member or is a former member of the Mets front office from 2003 to 2017. That covers a lot of ground. You could follow him on Twitter at... Adam G. Fisher, um, for great insight. Obviously, all, uh, all the ongoings with the Mets, good information. And, you know, I mean, m- why don't we get some of that from you now? Uh, we were just talking about it before. I-, I know you didn't hear it. I happened to have Wally Backman on the other day. I forget which Tuesday, maybe Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. And, you know, Backman's always been popular, obviously being in the organization, popular with the fan base. Callaway has been awful this year, 16 games under. Bagman sounded great to me. I just believe, Adam, that there are certain guys that are born to be big league managers. What is your take, uh, your assessment from knowing Bagman, working with him, and do you think there's ever a chance that it does happen eventually?
1: You know, you know, Sal. Wally's a good baseball guy, and uh, I think ultimately he has good intentions. But you know, it's, it's going to be really tough for him. I mean, you see what what happened with the Mets, and. You know, for me, having worked for Sandy, and obviously that decision was made. Uh, I can't really get into sort of the uh, sort of the, the the thinking behind it, but the way he comported himself after he was let go, Ooh, yeah. doing multiple interviews, uh, bashing the organization, saying that there was a conspiracy against him, that that we we the Mets were talking badly about him. Uh, you see how he handled himself there. That's not the comportment of a major league manager. And that—that's basically how I, how I would put it. You also see, there's 29 other teams that agree. He hasn't even been offered a, a minor league managing job. Right. Um, so for me, I think it's very unlikely, and I think it would be a tough fit. Just it, it'd kind of be a bit of a circus, uh, all, all, you know, honestly. But and and I don't dislike Wally personally, but I don't like how he. How he talked about the organization, he talked about the decision, and he talked about Sandy, that offended me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not something that I see as likely to happen. And, and in reality, he needs another team to hire him, even as a minor league manager. To make that a possibility,
0: right? He's not going to go. You wouldn't think from independent league all the way back to the big league.
1: Certainly, I find it unlikely. And you know, I, I look. The Mets fans love him. He was an amazing player. He gave a hundred and ten percent. And you know that that that's a lot of that. You see that in the dugout with him as a manager. Uh, but you know, some of the baggage that comes along with him, and and. Some of the stuff is, it's way in the past, but then you, you look at teams, look at those quotes. That's just, you're better off taking the high road when it comes to those types of situations. I mean, I, I was recently let go by the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, obviously that's a tough situation, but you know, when those things happen, my advice is to take the high road.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you. I've been fired before, too, and I could have easily went and you know tweeted something or gone to the papers or whatever, and I didn't say anything about anything, and I think that that is good advice. We're in studio with Adam Fisher, and I like getting your perspective on it because you know, you're in the know, you were there. I'm not. I mean, I love Wally Backman for 86. I see a passionate baseball manager, guy who I think is a great manager. I don't think we disagree on that. What you're saying is it's more about the other stuff potentially that's going to prevent Backman from getting another opportunity. I just think it, it's just going to be hard, particularly with the Mets in New York. Just the his, the way he's handled
1: himself with the media. How, how uh, about
0: how about him with ownership? Good relationship, you think, still or no? Well,
1: I I, I don't think he. I, I don't recall whether he said what he said about ownership. I don't. I'm not sure ownership necessarily holds him in poor regard. Um, but you know, just like me, they saw the quotes. They see how he handles himself. Uh, you know, you're talking about second, third, fourth chances here. Mm. Uh, Certainly it would rile up the fan base and it would give it would give some energy to uh to the situation but I just feel like. Based on his history, that would probably be short-lived. Okay, uh,
0: we're in and, the, you know. Yeah. That's
1: that's my two cents, sorry. But that's, so, you know, yeah.
0: No, that's fair. I, look, like I said, I just want to ask you the question. You're somebody who knows, and I appreciate you giving an open and honest answer about it. I respect your opinion. You know, you certainly know more than I do, and I would think that most, more than most of the listeners or fans, just say, "We love Wally. We want Wally Callaway's Callaway staying to give us our, our passion mm-hmm. manager." But the reality is that there are maybe some issues that Backman has that people don't really understand, and, and there's been a, you know, uh, it's been a long road for. Wally, since he lied and all that stuff in 2004 when he got hired by the Diamondbacks, Mets gave him a chance, and then the way that it ended, you know, he kind of maybe messed that up. So, as much as I'd like to see it happen, I can understand why there are reasons against it. One argument would be, though, you know, they didn't bring back Jose Reyes, a guy who mm-hmm. clearly had some issues and gave him a chance. So that would be an argument, uh, I, I guess for Wally, but who knows? Anyway, let's move on from that stuff. I appreciate you taking the time to answer some of that. Oh, yeah, H- how about, how about Rico here? I was just talking about Rico before with some of the callers and, or outside names maybe that you've heard taking over GM for the Mets. They're going to look, give an extensive search everywhere. I just feel like there's something about Rico that I personally like. Now, I don't know all the other mm-hmm. candidates. I mean, they're going to do their due diligence here. You think Rico still has a shot of getting this thing? You, you have any other names that you think may be favorites?
1: You know, I think I think John has a shot, but you, we've seen that they're gonna. They've they've said publicly that they're gonna do a search. All the media that covers the team is under the in, in you know the uh, the impression that they're gonna have a search. So I think I think he'll be a candidate, but it seems like they're gonna look outside and and legitimately do their due diligence and uh, just sort of sort of cast a wide net. I haven't. Heard anything definitive? Uh, really, all I hear is rumors, which are the same types of rumors that people would right. would hear out there. So I I, I I can't really. I don't want to throw out a name and kind of continue to to sort of fuel the rumors. But at this point, it's all rumors. I think they're probably gathering a, a rather large list at this point, and they'll pare it down and kind of get get serious about it. In uh, September and October.
0: Well, as somebody who's been a member of the front office, their front office for a very long time, as we said, 2003 to 2017, then you went on to the Braves and all that so your experience in this. How does the structure of this work? Let's say they do hire somebody from the outside. Mm-hmm. Does he then come in and get to pick who he's going to bring with him? Is Rico staying? Is Richardy staying? Uh, I mean, how is that? How's that dynamic work? Does it depend on who they hire?
1: yeah I think it depends on who they hire and uh who that who that person wants to bring in as his inner circle whether he has a relationship with the people who are there uh, certainly ownership can kind of back certain people you know and make sure that they stick around but generally uh a new general manager wants at least some of his own people uh a handful or two or three of his own people and People get to stick around for a year, two years, three years, or they make an impression. Uh, maybe your job description gets shifted or you get reassigned or put in a different role. Uh, you know, that's the type of stuff that that happens. I experienced it with the Braves where, you know, I was essentially the uh, the top guy standing uh, or top guy left standing there, um, and that was the one spot where really he wanted his own guy. So, you know, you have bad luck sometimes when it, when it comes to those things. Uh You know, in a lot of situations, you would be reassigned or, uh, you know, you'd be given a choice to to potentially stick around uh, in a different role or that there's lots of different ways it can go. I think when it comes to these types of things, the higher up you are, usually the more danger you are in. So
0: give me the difference that a new GM will create, because we've talked about this before saying that, you know, some people, I think, just look at it and say, oh, This regime's not having any success right now. The minor league system looks barren. Blow the whole thing up. But it's not just that simple. I mean, somebody else is going to come in. There's going to be a lot of the same pieces, as you said, maybe at the Mm -hmm. lower levels. What type of immediate impact can you expect? I mean, is it just a difference in philosophy? Is it a difference in aggression or on-base percentage or batting average value? What's the biggest change that we could see potentially happening with the new GM coming in?
1: Yeah, you know, I I'm not going to say it's elusive. You don't really know until you get the GM and what their what their philosophy is. But it's it's more than likely going to be a different type of philosophy than what Sandy had. Uh, you know, you, you, particularly when you're talking about on the amateur side with international and domestic that's where you can kind of make your mark in terms of how you want to go about what types of players you like how you want to allocate your money that kind of thing also okay how aggressive are you going to be on certain types of free agents when you're talking about the major league uh you know that the at the major league team the farm system you may decide you want to revamp the different programs so there's a lot of a lot of different ways that, that a GM can come in depending on their philosophy. Uh, You know, a lot of times you, the Mets have some great people there. I mean, I worked with some amazing people uh, too many to, to, to list. And uh, you know, sometimes it can just be how the person is utilized. If, if uh, maybe a fresh voice or a different philosophy, uh, because they have some really good scouts and certainly the, the farm system has been sort of denigrated, but, Tommy Tainus, particularly their vice president of uh, of of scouting, is outstanding and uh, is an asset to any organization. So, uh, you, you know, it's it's how you use the personnel and and what your philosophy is and. And uh, that's how really how they're going to make their imprint.
0: And how long does do these things take? I mean, it seems like a complete overhaul takes a while to get the system implemented and then executed. I mean, are we talking years of transition from one philosophy to the next?
1: Well, it's really what's what's tough is usually when you have a new GM uh, after sort of a couple of losing seasons, they're able to kind of rebuild or blow it up or do what they want. And you know, we've we've been told that the Mets expect to contend next year. Mm-hmm. So that's going to create a tricky situation. So whoever comes in is going to philosophically, yes, it's going to take potentially years to to make a change in terms of seeing results from the new GM, what they want to do, whether that's good or bad. I mean, you know how I feel about Sandy and what we did over yeah. these last years. So I think it's, it, these last couple of years have been really tough, but overall – You know, we've got to the World Series. There are a lot of good things. Uh, But for a new philosophy to take shape, you're going to, it's going to take some time. And at the major league level, if they want to contend, it's going to be more tweaks. Is Rico
0: similar to Sandy's philosophy or different?
1: I think, I think John has plenty. I mean, he worked for Sandy for for eight years, and they have plenty of similarities. But there's enough of a difference between them where if John, you know, John being his own man would, would make some philosophical changes. I don't think there'd be a lot of personnel changes because John is very comfortable with the people who are there and, and there's a lot of great people.
0: We're in studio with Adam Fisher. You can see him on SNY. You hear him, well, here every so often in studio with me. Uh, he was the Mets front office member from 2003 to 2017 at Adam G. Fisher on Twitter. He'll be here the next hour with us, so there's a lot I want to get to. Mets trades, we could play uh, Mets GM, Yankees GM, some Yankee trades as well. What they should do with the deadline, what happened a year ago with the deadline, all those different things. And we'll take your calls as well. 800-321-0710. If you have a comment or question for Adam or I, you could give a call and we'll get to you this hour at some point. Also, Mets tickets to give away. We'll do that before we say goodbye uh, at 9 o'clock. It's the Sports Zone with Sal Licata filling in for Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone. And for Pete, here's Sal Licata. In studio with Adam Fisher. You can see him on... SNY, Baseball Night in New York. Uh, Former Mets front office member, 2003 to 2017. At Adam G. Fisher is the Twitter handle. Did you see Syndergaard's comments here? Tim Healy in Newsday had his story. Uh, Syndergaard, I guess, spoke to him on Sunday. He released a story today, obviously with nothing else going on. Syndergaard, and I quote, Adam: "It'll be nice to go out there and really put a whooping on them." When referring to the Yankees before his first start in Yankee Stadium uh, tomorrow night against the Yanks. he's a confident young man. That's I mean, what I would say that's got. If you're on the front office, that's got to drive you. You're 16 games under uh, 500.
1: Yeah, it, you know what? Noah is who he is, and he's a confident guy, and and. At this point, I'm not sure the Mets are that upset. The season spiraled out of control, and it it brings a little bit of a new dimension, a little bit of excitement to a situation where, uh, you know, that the Yankees are just having such an awesome year. Uh, But but the general theme I would say is yeah, you'd, you'd prefer he not. And not say that kind. This of is thing. the
0: same guy. I mean, look, he's he's had a boo boo on his finger, so he hasn't been able to pitch for yeah. a couple of months. Here, I mean, give me a break. All lack right? of
1: self awareness.
0: Yeah, right. Throw some sand on the thing and get out there and pitch. Otherwise, don't open your mouth. So you're right. Lack of self awareness. Before last season, he said that it's a Mets town where the Yankees are supposed to be rebuilding. Naturally, the Mets go into the tank. Syndergaard gets hurt a month into the season. The Yankees are in ALCS Game Seven, and then here we are. Yankees are about to win a World Series. The Mets are 16 games under. But yet he goes out there and says it'll be really nice to go out there and put a in on them.
1: You know, it's the same attitude. Uh, it's it's a double-edged sword because it's the same attitude that, you know, as a rookie, he goes out and wins the only World Series game against the Royals. He pitches right. seven scoreless innings in the wild card game. You know, that type of confidence is what helps make him successful. You know, you just wish he would maybe... Uh, Maybe maybe tighten it up a little bit when it comes to some of these comments.
0: See, you're right. I do love the attitude. It's just poorly timed. I mean, from all things considered, where the Mets are on the standings, where the Yankees are, where he is personally. If DeGrom said this, I would have an issue with it, but obviously... Okay, he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. He's an all-star. If anybody could say it, he could say it. Not Noah Syndergaard.
1: In some ways, it's kind of a selfish statement, right? Because he's only thinking about himself. He's going to put a whooping on the Yankees. The Mets is a team of, you know... uh, Can't put a whooping on anybody. They can't put a whooping on anybody. So so yeah it's it's, it's it''s a it's a real lack of self awareness but that being said, that type of confidence is what 's made them, made him successful
0: while we 're on the topic, and you and I sometimes this is now the third time you've come in studio, and yeah. I appreciate that we 've rehashed some old stuff you know whether it 's Murphy or Turner while we 're on the topic of Syndergaard, years ago, I got from a source there that Syndergaard was too immature, not going to succeed, this is before he ever came up. Mm-hmm. And it was a trusted source, and I was then saying it on TV and radio. I always thought the message was to trade one of the starters, create some balance, based on what I heard about the immaturity. And there was even the public stuff with the, the lunchroom the nonsense yeah. um, that I would have traded Syndergaard. Now, he went on and had some success, and I get that. Was there really an issue with his maturity back then?
1: You know, I think there was there was truth to that. Uh and also thank you for having me on again Sal. Yeah. Just to, I really appreciate it. It's 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 fun to uh to talk baseball with you. Yeah, I love it. It's fun. Um yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, I think there was some maturity issues not and just being able to make adjustments. It, it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot a lot of noise going on there. It was just more about his poise and being able to make adjustments in Las Vegas, which is a very tough place to pitch. He was having trouble Putting together a plan, executing, and it it showed up in his results. Also, from an immaturity standpoint, sort of a sense, of, somewhat of a sense of entitlement, which is why you saw that that uh, that lunchroom incident. Expecting just he's the next guy, and if you just kind of go through the motions, then you know because we had called up first Harvey, then Wheeler, then. Cindergaard's supposed to be next. Uh, you know, if you just go through the motions, he's the next guy, and he's the next stud. And I think he needed a little bit of a wake-up call. And to his credit, it was a massive turnaround. I mean, he absolutely everything clicked the next year. He put, he was able to put together a plan. He was serious about it. He understood that he it wasn't going to be given to him, and he needed to earn it. And the next thing you knew, he's a star. So, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I don't think it was a big, big thing with, you know, there was nothing off the field. There were no incidents. It was just a little bit of immaturity on the field in terms of executing.
0: Okay, interesting. He did turn around and obviously made me look like a fool, and I had to block a million people on Twitter because it was ah. every time he went out there and had a good outing. You know how that goes, oh, especially with, with Mets fans and social media now. Relentless. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I I don't, I never wanted to trade him. I thought all those, all that stuff, you know, us matching up with the Cubs and Mm -hmm. getting Starlin Castro or whoever, all that was overblown. I think we, and unfortunately, these last two years and with everybody getting injured, it's sort of blown up on us. But our idea was if you got four or five aces, let's roll with it. This is what we've got. This is what makes us good. If we trade one of these guys for, the possibility. I mean, you know, Addison Russell um, or you know, Starlin Castro would have been brutal if we had made yeah. that trade. Addison Russell is an, is a good player. He's nothing special. That wouldn't have been a good trade either. So. For me, I am I have no regrets. And certainly, Syndergaard wouldn't have been the guy I wouldn't have tri- wanted to trade anyway.
0: We're in studio with Adam Fisher, former Mets front office member from 2003 to 2017. How would you handle it now? I mean, there's been talk about trading DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats. We expect in the short term, it seems anyway, like Wheeler's the likely one to go. Um, and maybe they reassess in the offseason. But how would you handle the moves that this team needs to make, in particular with that rotation?
1: I think it's tough because you don't know who's going to be calling the shots. And it's tough to kind of you need to figure out to formulate a plan um how you're going to move forward whether you're going to rebuild whether you're going to compete and based on the fact that they've said they're going to compete I-, I would kind of okay i'm going to roll with that and kind of think about how i would go about it if i'm thinking i'm going to compete next year i think you need to think about uh wheeler just for the sen- from the from the standpoint that you do have lugo to potentially replace him right uh and his value is probably at a peak right now and you only control him for one more year, but that control is still valuable on the trade market. But you need to get something good for him. All right. What do you so what are they getting back? They could they could get for me, I think uh I would like to get back at least one top fifty prospect in the game.
0: Top fifty, that's it, huh? Is that good? I don't know. You that's a pretty good player. Okay. okay. I mean,
1: that's a pretty good player. Uh top fifty in the game is, you know, among the top two or three prospects in a team's farm system, and then another player, another quality. Player that would be a fair trade for me, and you'd be surprised. Teams are probably pretty reluctant to do that type of deal. Teams are hoarding prospects these days. Oh my god! You know, sick so me. yeah, so so if they don't get that, then you just hold Zach, and you've got your five guys for next year, and you go into it. Uh, for me, you know, wh- how how would you rebuild? Uh, I think you need to shore up the defense and that means getting someone who can play defense at second base that's a big factor as trubul is a minus 12 the last i checked in terms of his that his publicly available defensive data which is you know not very good it's a big big factor uh there tighten up the d Legaris has missed try to get him in a rotation if he can ever stay healthy mm. uh and Fix the bullpen, which is a bit of a tall order because it's so volatile, and you're going to be losing Familia.
0: Uh, to be to be fair, and you know I like Sandy. That's the one thing he said when he first got here that he was going to try to fix the bullpen, and he's tried, and it almost—I mean, every year, almost, every way he went, it's not From Addison Reed, maybe I, I guess. Well, we figured it out eventually. The years we had success: Blevins,
1: right. Addison Reed with Familia. Uh, we had we had a pretty solid pen for I I guess I would say. And fourteen wasn't terrible if I if I remember. 14, 15, 16, I think we were pretty decent. Right. Um well, it took familiar, a while. Familiar okay. was
0: a stud. Addison mm-hmm. Reed was a great find. Blevins, as you said, had at least one good year. No, he had
1: yeah, he had multiple good Clippard years.
0: Clipper was okay for a little bit, but then well, he Yeah, too that was the World Series. Yeah, yeah exactly. the the
1: pen kinda kinda hurt us there. Here's an interesting an interesting thought that people don't really touch on too much. Just uh Okay, so teams, it's its tough to build a pen, and you can, you know, you pick up a reliever out of nowhere, and he has success. Right. It's a lot easier, and this isn't an excuse. You, This is what you deal with, and you need to figure out how to do it. But it's a lot easier to take sort of a failed reliever and throw him in your pen. I like to think of Kyle Farnsworth, for example. Right. Great example. Now, he pitched for the Mets when he was pretty much finished. but. Yeah. You know he failed with the Yankees, and then Tampa Bay picks him up, and he becomes their closer and has a couple of amazing years. But he could not pitch for the Yankees. If you use that example, it's really hard to just take a guy. You can't take scrap heap guys who have maybe questionable makeup and let them have, and they just don't have success in New York. So it closes off a pool of of relievers. You don't you roll the dice on a guy in Tampa Bay, and you know no one's watching, and it's a lot. There's less pressure. There's more comfort to have success when you've got the stuff. You put that same guy in a situation, say Manny Acosta, remember him? Yeah, sure. Put him in Tampa Bay, I bet he would have been fine. But here, You know? Here, it just, it, it's just tough. Yeah. you know so it, it just it's just another layer and that's with all players you really want to know their makeup but with with bullpen and trying to find cheap guys who can contribute who've maybe had success in the past who are questionable from a makeup standpoint it's really hard to just throw them into the Mets bullpen and expect them to have success
0: yeah that's why you are gonna have to go out and get the no doubt guys which uh, they haven't been able to do in recent years 800 321 we're in studio with former Mets front office member Adam Fisher we will get to your calls on the other side it's the sports zone Salakata filling in for Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, 710 W O R. Hey. This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy. Here's Sal Lakata. All right, what do you say, Adam? Let's take some calls. Enough of you and me talking. Although there is some other stuff I do want to get to with you, but we'll do that in a little bit. Uh we okay. have some callers on hold here that would like to talk to us, I believe. Uh let's start with Ken in Manhattan. What's up, Ken? How you doing? I love these segments with Adam Fisher. They're wonderful. Me too. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. Um I was wondering something about um, how trades work. Now, there's been trades where, uh, like, the Yankees got rid of a relief pitcher to Chicago, and they got him back when he became a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mets got somebody from Baltimore, and, and he went back to Baltimore and we became a free agent. But there hasn't been one that's sort of like a delayed trade. For example, if DeGrom went to the Yankees, and the Yankees didn't give him any, didn't give the Mets anything until. The winter, and they gave them DeGrom and somebody else. Okay. And the screener said that the CBA wouldn't allow that. I'm confused. Yeah. I'm confused. Yeah, thanks for the call, Ken. And can you explain that a little bit, what he's trying to get at? Um, meaning, like. Uh, like, you trade. De- I-, I think he means trade DeGrom to the Yankees now, and then, you know, is is it a player to be named later situation? I believe he yeah. means, and then they get DeGrom back and another player. So it's like they're oh, ran- like a loan. Oh. Yeah. Like alone. Oh uh, yeah. Like a you know the rules
1: thing. don't really uh really allow for that. That would be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah right. We'll give you that's DeGrom for cool. two months. Yeah, like
1: like a soccer, that's a good analogy. Like we'll give you de for two months. You know, the problem would be you can't have an agreement where it it's just with especially with a player like DeGrom, you, you can't have like a wink wink under the table. Hey, we're going to trade him back to you, type agreement. Yeah, that's right. the only way that, that the rules would allow that. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. It'd have to be like a big conspiracy. You just can't do that type of thing. The only way, so,
0: yeah, the only way maybe that's possible is if baseball adapts uh, fantasy football rules and you just redraft the next year. Right? All right. Well, at, at the end of this show, I'm not going anywhere, uh, I'll give you I'll give you this guy. Here you go. Go try yeah. to win a championship.
1: It's a cool. Con- it's a, that's a good analogy. It's a cool concept. It's it's not. Uh, it would be pretty interesting. But but yeah, I I especially I don't think the players' association would be too excited about that. Let's just send him to Detroit for two months, and then he goes back to the Yankees or a team. You know, with the 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 way a franchise works, you send your franchise guy and then get him back. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's an interesting idea, but
0: but yeah, it doesn't work with the rules. Radical from Ken Roger is in Howell. Uh, what moves, Roger? Do you want to go over with Alderson? Uh, I, I just, I just can't, uh, guys. I love you, but you're killing me. You're killing me. You don't trade pitching, and if you ever do trade pitching, you trade for the one thing that's the hardest thing to find in in baseball. That's a franchise catcher. Well, wait if a second, Roger. Having... How how are we killing you? Because I'm pretty sure we both agreed. You know, we're talking about maybe trading Zach Wheeler. We we agree that we're not trading Syndergaard or Degrom. I wouldn't trade Wheeler. I wouldn't trade. with you giving up pitching but last year. If we would have gave up pitching with all the guys hurt, it's like, oh no, yeah, we didn't need. We don't. We don't need six guys. We need four. You need every one of them. You need eight pitchers. The way the Mets are going. Oh, sorry, Roger. Cut you off there,
1: no, again. No, no, no. Ro- Roger's not wrong. I think. I think it's it's a uh, it's a it's certainly a bit of a catch twenty two. I think though the Mets do have starting pitching depth, and the idea is if they feel like they can trade him for a player, a position player, and it could be a catcher. You know, if they can trade him for a position player that they like a lot or even a young pitcher who's close, who then they control for another six years versus Zach, who they control for a year and a half, uh, they're going to think hard about it because they do have depth. But yeah, of course, I mean... it's like anything, you know, you, you trade a guy and the next thing you know, everyone's injured. And it's like that was one of the one of the things we talked about with with all these pitchers. It's like if we had made that trade, you saw those injuries, then you're left with nothing. It's like, OK, you're definitely looking at the at a, a risk reward type situation and, and you're looking at all the possibilities and all the potential outcomes. And that's what you're weighing when you make a trade like that and that's why you do need to get something good back if you're going to trade Zach Wheeler
0: alright nobody's talking about just giving guys away we're talking about trying to create a balance and if you trade Zach Wheeler who is a back end of the rotation guy that has just finally started to pitch with some su- uh, success here and some consistency you should get something for him now before he falls back to either being injured or ineffective and all that that's all we're talking about here you're not trying to give him away for nothing and if you want to keep all the pitching fine then you have to go out and spend and bring in offensive players because you can't just keep running out there with the quote-unquote four or five starting uh, starting rotation aces that they're supposed to be, and they haven't performed like that to date.
1: And then they, they don't score for them. Yeah, right, so. and they
0: don't score for them anyway, so what good is it? I mean, what, what good is the ground <laughs> I mean, on this team? A, yeah,
1: it's a pretty rare situation the way the Mets have gone about it with a essentially a top Starting rotation and such a terrible record, it you don't see that very often. It, it, it's really what has gone wrong. What what can go wrong has gone wrong. But I think look, they're going to weigh all these possibilities, and if they can get something that they feel is of impact for Zach Wheeler, you said it, Sal. They're going to balance it out a little bit.
0: Oh well, hopefully, Michael in Brooklyn wants to know what they got last year, and maybe you could uh, help okay. us with that one, Adam. Yeah, well, yeah. here was our. Go oh, ahead. Sorry, yeah, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, I got a comment, uh, Sal. The uh, fact that Skinnergard uh, wants to, the, to put it to the Yankees, I got to give it to him. He throws a 100 miles an hour, man. Yeah. You know, so, like he's hitting a little, Yeah, let's see how he does against Aaron Judge and and yeah. like company in that Yankee lineup. He's going to get tattooed. You know, when, you know, when it comes to power pitching and power hitting, pitching always wins. But check this out. Uh, when we got rid of Grandison, Lucas Dula. And Jay Bruce, man, but did they get for him, man? Or are they just dumb salaries? All right, Michael, hold on. Adam will explain it for you now.
1: Well, you know, we had a strategy last year. Look, it's it's here's one thing for fans out there to know, and not to get too long-winded about this, but, you know, you saw the Manny Machado trade, and you're talking about a franchise player here, but they got back one really good prospect and then a lot of depth. And uh, that's because they're only renting Manny Machado for two months. And teams that are trading these players have been... it's It's been de-incentivized for them to keep them because they don't get as much compensation back if they offer them a qualifying offer. You used to get two picks, now you get one pick. And it used to be that players were absolutely not going to accept arbitration. And now you actually have to pay the player about $18 million to... Potentially get a draft pick back. So teams aren't, aren't, uh, aren't, they don't have as much, uh, What's the right word? Uh, Bargaining
0: power. Exactly.
1: That's the best way. They don't have as much bargaining power because you know that they're they're getting nothing basically for them, or in a lot of cases not going to get anything for them. And then the team that's trading for the player, it used to be that if you traded for the player, you could do the same thing, and you could offer the player arbitration and get picks back for the player. But now you can't do that either. So the team that's getting the player is going to get nothing back outside of the two months for the player, they can't get prospects back. So the whole Billy Bean philosophy was, I'm going to trade some prospects for this player, then I'm going to offer them arbitration, then I'm going to get two picks back and replace the players I traded. So now teams are much more reluctant to trade prospects because they're not getting, getting anything back to replace them, and the teams that are trading the players don't have as much bargaining power because the system's changed for them too. So it's created a situation where both teams, uh, the, the teams that are trading the player want to trade them more, have more incentive to trade them, and the players and the teams that... Our trading for the player has less less incentive to give up something good.
0: Right. So let's use Jay Bruce as an example last year, who was having a career year. I mean, a great offensive bat, right? He was hitting two eighty, hit over thirty homers or whatever it was a year ago. You guys can't get nothing from him for Cleveland at the trade deadline. I mean, how is that possible? Because you just the, the what you just yeah, said, I'm assuming. I mean,
1: that 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 whole scenario plays itself out, and you know, you're also talking about a situation where power is is devalued to an extent because there's so much power in the game right now, and there are so many power hitters. So it was it was harder than you think, and he was making a little bit of money. Um, so it was harder than you think to get Jay Bruce get something good for Jay Bruce. If this was ten years ago and it was the same player, you would have gotten something really good for Jay Bruce. So what did we get, what, what our philosophy was, we realized that we weren't going to get top prospects back for these guys, and we found that we had a deficiency in the system with regard to power arms power relievers that's where the game is moving and we didn't have a lot of depth in that area in the upper minors so we essentially traded every single one of those guys for a power armed reliever in jay bruce's case we got a guy named Ryder ryan who uh was a a little bit raw but is doing really well now he was raw when we acquired him uh what i liked about him hard thrower very high spin rate, high strikeout rate. And what I found interesting was he didn't really pitch in college. He was a conversion guy who played third base and caught. So he had a fresh arm and he was picked later because he was kind of a, a hidden hidden gem per se, but they gave him a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus. So now I know a lot about Ryder Ryan was kind of one of my guys, so right. I can I can talk about all this stuff without kind of thinking about it. Um but he got a decent bonus, so he was an interesting guy, and he's having success now in double A. So that's what we got for Jay Bruce. You saw Jacob Rame um clearly he needs a little bit more development but i was really excited when we got jacob rain for granderson hasn't gone quite that well uh for him at the major league level we got three guys from the red Sox for uh for addison Addison Reed. reed callahan who's unfortunately since had shoulder surgery batista uh who we've seen throws very hard he's a little bit raw also maybe not quite ready for the major leagues and another probably the, the best prospect of the three in terms of the way the game sought, Steven Nogasek, who's also a reliever. So we got those three guys for Neil Walker. Uh, they, they got a, a, a player last name, Han, Hanhold, who's actually doing really well in AAA, another reliever. Hmm. So uh, we, we kind of rebuilt. Uh, and then with Lucas Duda, a guy who got called up and didn't pitch, who was having a great year, Drew Smith. So you're talking about I don't know how many guys we, we have eight relievers eight power relievers every single guy throws 95 plus so even if you hit on a couple it's gonna be worth that was it. the idea and it gave us depth it added we had a couple a, not a ton of more power guys uh, we saw bachelor we se- we're seeing bachelor at yeah, the major right. league he was the one guy who had the similar profile to these guys that we acquired via trade you know power arm right. uh, that with a high spin rate but all these guys throw 95 plus they all have high spin rates which you know gets you carry up in the zone gets the gets the ball over the barrel
0: you think they'll be making an impact in
1: the coming years i think i think uh out of the group yeah you, you'll probably see three or four of them that will make an impact i think again you get numbers it also gives you depth on your 40 man you can call these guys up you can send them sure. down um i i wish one of them had has been had been able to click already um but it's going to take some time real, so
0: real quick before we break what happened with the yankees with bruce and all that <laughs> You There's know, been some. I mean, the, the rumors are it got pretty ugly. There. Between well,
1: them. it got ugly publicly. I think. Um, I think at the end of the day, we really just could not agree uh, on a combination of players
0: and dollars. And look, you can understand. Did you get the better player, or it was more about getting the better player and money combination? I think. It, I think it was the, the
1: overall that that was the the idea was was the best overall package in terms of uh you know what what a team was going to take back in terms of money and in terms of players uh it, you kind of weigh each sort of each deal against each other but i think the yankees had some attractive attractive stuff out there that, any
0: names that we would know
1: i can't really uh All right, i you don't have think i can even yeah i can I, I, uh but but i think i think things just they didn't get contentious but but at the end of the day the Yankees didn't have the deal that we were looking for. That's very vague, but...
0: It, yeah, that's fine. The Yankees going to have to pay a premium. I, I don't have... No, I mean, it's simple as that. You're the New York Yankees trying to acquire somebody from the Mets. You're going to have to pay a premium in this town. simple as that.
1: I think that's fair. I don't think there's any reason why you would want to. And, and and likewise, the Yankees, if they were in a situation where, where they were struggling and, and sure. we were having success, I think that there's got it's got to be a little better.
0: Now, we'll never you know, know that. <laughs> we'll never know that, unfortunately. Well, I, probably,
1: mean, I I certainly think it was our worst nightmare to watch Jay Brew Sitting home runs for the Yankees in in a playoff series against the Astros or whoever, you know, or Neil Walker. was a perfect player for them. Now he's you know has right. been awful for them on the bench. But last year, he was outstanding for the Brewers. So, yeah, they have to pay a little bit more. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't, it just didn't quite match up with what we were looking for.
0: 800 321 710 in studio with Adam Fisher, former Mets for an office member from 2003 to 2017. At Adam G Fisher is the Twitter handle. We'll finish up with Adam. We'll take some of your calls on the other side. It's the Sports Zone. Sal filling in for Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 W O R. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. In studio with Adam Fisher. Um, Adam, before we let you go, I do want to talk some Yankees. You think the Yanks are going to get an arm? I mean, it almost seems inevitable that they'll get somebody. I know today Brad Hand was traded from the Padres to the Indians. That's a big deal. They also got another reliever in that. I like how the Indians try to shore up that uh, horrible bullpen yeah. as they head on in the postseason. Um, so one less guy off the market for the Yanks is the bullpen, but they're interested in Britain. Obviously starters, Hamels, Hat, maybe Fulmer. What would you do if you're the Yankees?
1: I I I, I like... I like Britain in their pen. I think that would be that would be a knockout. Um, obviously, he's he comes with some questions and he's just coming back from injury, but he's starting to show better right now. Uh, and yeah, those seem to be the three names. Wh- whichever guy they prefer, uh, Hap Hamels, Fulmer's going to cost you a lot. That seems unlikely to me. And is it worth? And he's it? not. No, yeah. he's not having a great year. Um, so, did you guys, more...
0: did you guys love Fulmer? I know you gave him up for Cespedes. Were you that high on him? Are you figuring out? Uh...
1: No. I well, okay. So I, I'd meet you halfway. We liked Fulmer a lot. And I actually mentioned, I was on this uh, podcast, StatCast podcast with the MLB uh, Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cool. And I I talked, I mentioned this, which was Sandy actually spent that entire day, that entire trade deadline day trying to talk the Tigers out of Michael Fulmer. And. (laughs) That's that's basically.
0: Can you give us the name who he was trying to get rid of
1: anybody else? Oh, okay. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> anybody but Fulmer. It was
1: it was not anybody but Fulmer. I think you know you, we had a couple of obviously a Rosario and some other prospects who were above Fulmer, but he was not excited about trading Fulmer for Cespedes. Right. That being said, we didn't expect him to go out and win the Rookie of the Year. We thought he was a very good pitching prospect. I don't think that we thought he was going to make quite. An immediate impact that he did, and we didn't think he was a necessarily an ace ace, which is what he's turned out to be. I think Justin Verlander helped him a lot mm. over there and helped him develop and deserve some credit for Michael Fulmer, but we thought he was an outstanding pitching prospect and did not want to trade him.
0: And okay, so I mean that's interesting, uh, but you had to do it. It was a great trade. Yeah, it
1: was just it was one of those things that they they went through all the names. Sandy went through all the names, and that was who they wanted. And you give the Tigers credit; they they did a good job scouting and they got their guy.
0: And literally to the last minute. So if you're the Yanks, what would you do? Not going to give up too much for Fulmer, who's come back down. No, hurt?
1: I think yeah, I think I think one of the lefties is probably a good fit. shore up the show up the rotation. Just give them some some certainty. You know, you're talking mid rotate. Although you know, overall Hap's been pretty good. If you think if you look at the at the list of pitchers. Uh,
0: throughout MLB. He's top 30. That's fair. Where's he going to start in the postseason for them? I mean, that's... If they can't get... And that's why I like your idea, too. If they can't get a number two, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to be available, load up the bullpen. Britton, Batances, Chapman. I mean, the the Yankees are loaded back. That would be... I
1: mean, yeah. And, and, And a lefty arm. I mean, they have righties who can get lefties out, but... But uh, but a lefty who's dominant against lefties would be, I think, very useful for them. So Britain's a really good fit. But I just think just trying to give some certainty to that, that rotation, even for the rest of the year against the Red Sox, don't not even thinking about the postseason. I think Happer Hamels can help them.
0: Joe in Queens wants to talk Yankee trades. What's up, Joe? Yeah, hi guys. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't even trade Andahar straight up for uh, Degrom. Uh, at the same time, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, that's foolish, though, Joe. That's you're, foolish. A, you're a Yankee fan, I yeah. take it. No, no, I'm a Mets fan. What? Oh wait, wait, wait,
1: if you, are you saying from the Yankee standpoint, you wouldn't trade from
0: the Yankee standpoint? Yeah.
1: Oh wow, no kidding. Why, and uh, what, what what's your thought process on that?
0: Well, well, I, I just think someone that's scorching the ball in his early twenties is just you have to hold on to someone like that that young that athletic and scorching the ball a position player but they have a 100 of those guys to get Jacob DeGrom and thanks for the call Joe appreciate you holding i mean well, come on
1: here's what's interesting and okay, Andujar is crushing it he's interesting but but you saw those rumors out there that the Yankees don't value uh Anduhar quite as highly and they and Cashman disputed disputed that uh my evaluation of Anduhar lines up with that i don't think he's this good look players have good years and he's been amazing uh but it would not and look you can I'm happy to get called out on this he is going to go down, crash down to earth and he's he's a good player but he's not this the other thing is he's a really bad defensive third baseman so um i don't think the mets would even entertain a deal with Anduhar as the centerpiece that involved
0: five players. Yeah. So there you go. Interesting. Love it. And make sure you save the tape when Anduhar is a repeated all star. Uh, Adam, <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. It's fun. We got to do it again.
1: Absolutely, Sal. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's always a fun hour. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to check back uh, in a couple of years on <laughs> Mr. Anduhar.
0: Adam Fisher, you could follow him at Adam G. Fisher on Twitter. Mets for an office member 2003 to 2017. You could see him pretty regularly on SNY's baseball night in New York. Um, uh, Alright, we'll do, uh, get to your calls on the other side. We'll do some football, basketball. We'll obviously do baseball too as well the next hour. We have Richard Justice coming on at 8.20. So a lot to get to all after the news.